Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before for hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No masks. No Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. We've quoted George Will many times over the years, whether it's a, a book, a column in the Washington Post, or something he said on one of the many talk shows that I've, I've, I've watched him on over the years. He's got a new book out called The Conservative Sensibility. I don't know if you like a good blurb on your book when you're an author, but a pretty good blurb from Jonah Goldberg, who we also really like. Staggeringly good, easily one of the best books on American conservatism ever written. And I watched the conversation between George Will and Jonah Goldberg on C-SPAN the other day, and it was fantastic. I highly recommend it to anybody that has any interest in it. Whether you hate conservatism as a progressive or you're a conservative yourself, what a great, intellectual, easy-to-understand conversation. And I think it's safe to say this conversation will pale badly in comparison. Probably. So enjoy. Uh, It's always a pleasure to speak with George Will. How are you, sir? I thrive. I'm better than the country. Excellent. Well, uh, given the fact that the ideas of limited government and the sacred value of the individual have died, do you want to talk about baseball? (laughs) (laughs) I know more about baseball. Actually, as we talk, I've got the MLB channel on muted in my office. I turn it on at 7 in the morning, and I turn it off, and I leave at 6. I could watch baseball highlights all day long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, listen, you, is by there... By the way, you mentioned the progressives. Uh, progressives should be interested in my book because it 
it explains something that should worry them. 1964, I cast my first vote for Barry Goldwater, to whom the book is dedicated. In 1964, 77% of the American people said they trusted the government to do the right thing all the time or almost all the time. Today, that's down to 17%, a 60-point collapse in the prestige of government. Now, since everything progressives want to do depends on a strong state and a strong government depends upon public confidence in it, they should be seriously worried about what's happened. That's uh, not a minor change, a 60-point collapse in the way people look at government. Well, but at the same time, though, we have this enormous contempt for government, yet, uh, you know, the masses of voters want more and more of it. That's a bit of a disconnect to me. It's it's called, the fancy word for that is cognitive dissonance. It's holding in your mind with equal fervor and sincerity flatly incompatible ideas. Uh, The political scientists have long argued that the American people are rhetorically conservative and operationally liberal, that they talk like Jeffersonians, that government is best that governs least and all the rest, but they want to be governed by Hamiltonians, and they certainly got that now. Well, the the, the thing I've quoted you on the most over the many years, because you've been saying this for a long time and it's just so true, what bothers you most is not the gridlock and the polarization and how the parties can't get along and get anything done. It's the thing they do agree on, that we should have more government than we pay for. Both parties seem to be in agreement on that. I think the political class is far more united by class interest than it is divided by ideology. For all the talk about the discord in our country, and Lord knows it's real enough, what terrifies me is the consensus, which is that we should have a large, omnipresent, omniprovident, ever more generous welfare state and not pay for it. Uh, the public loves this because they get a dollar's worth of government and they're charged uh, 80 cents for it. And we shove a fifth of the cost of government off on the unconsenting because unborn future taxpayers will have to service this debt. And uh, the result is that today, under a Republican government, we're running a trillion-dollar annual budget deficit at full employment and 3% growth. Now, ask yourself this. What is going to happen when the next recession begins with a trillion-dollar budget deficit? Now, you may some people say, well, we're not going to have any more recessions. I think that if the current president had outlawed the business cycle, his native modesty would not have prevented him from mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, boy. So is this a failure of... Messaging by those of us of a uh, conservative point of view, at least in terms of the size and function of government, um, is it a just a, a failure of humanity that's going to manifest itself over and over again as uh, democracies mature? Is there any avoiding this slide towards seeing government as, as a combination of mommy and Santa Claus? I think a reckoning is coming, and I, I blame the leadership class. I don't expect the American people to closely monitor government. Uh, They have children to raise and gutters to clean and the screen door to fix and just getting on with life. I blame a leadership class that knows that it benefits politically from this constant uh, running of enormous deficits that uh, makes big government cheaper than it actually is. Uh, And the reckoning, uh, when it comes, will not be paid by the political class. It will be paid by the people who, understandably, were not paying close attention. Well, you brought up something the other day in your conversation with Jonah Goldberg that I thought was really good about public choice theory and the way it applies to government workers and government itself. Can you explain that to us? 
Yes, a public choice theory for which James Buchanan of the University of Virginia won a Nobel Prize as an economist says simply this. In the private sector, we understand that people try to maximize something, usually their income, their wealth. In the public sector, people don't stop behaving like normal, interested, aggrandizing people. But in the public sector, instead of maximizing their income, they try to maximize their power, which is why government should be looked upon not sentimentally as a disinterested group of, of uh, social scientists, Rather, government should be looked upon as an interested faction itself. It has its own interests, and uh, it should be treated uh, accordingly as, as w with wariness, and we should avoid the sentimentalizing about government. This is what puzzles me about the likes of Elizabeth Warren, who I, whose idea content I rather like. I mean, I don't like her ideas, but I like the fact that she brings ideas to politics. Here's the problem. She says with some justification that the government has become the plaything of interests. The government is so deeply involved in allocating wealth and opportunity in the United States. Uh, it's not a, not a mystery why five of the ten wealthiest counties in the United States by per capita income are in the Washington area. We don't have any natural resources. We don't make anything except laws and trouble. But so much money sloshes through Washington and is directed by Washington, that it pays for people to capture the government. And they do capture it. And it's captured by compact, intense, articulate, confident, well-lawyered factions. So her, Elizabeth Warren's right about that. But then she says, inexplicably, what we need to do is make this difficult government bigger. We need to get it more involved in allocating wealth and opportunity in society. George Will, uh, George Will has a brand new book out, The Conservative Sensibility, which is getting rave reviews in, in many different quarters. Uh, we were talking about the homeless crisis on the West Coast, or the West Coast bum explosion, as we usually describe it. And uh, one of our theories is that uh, it's, it's the natural result of the triumph of emotionalism over realism. The idea that if you're just kind and compassionate and give people everything they need, they will, well, I don't know, that they'll they'll move into apartments and go away or something, as opposed to, you know, the more realistic, perhaps not compassionate enough past, where a cop would just run you out to the edge of town and say, I don't know where you're going to go, but you, it isn't going to be here. Uh, would you agree there's been a lot of that on the West Coast? Well, the West Coast is, first of all, it's taken progressive policies meddling with the housing market. Uh, trying to achieve various social goals, at least the goals that these people have, high-density living, all the rest, get people out of cars, all that stuff. As a result, you have a shortage of affordable housing. You do have a good climate, which uh, attracts a, a lot of people. But also, it, it simply is the case that a welcoming uh well-intended, compassionate policy is going to attract some of these problems. There's a little story in my book by a man named John Cochran, who's up at uh, Stanford's Hoover Institution, and he blogs as the grumpy economist. He tells the story. He said a, a government decided it wanted to get rid of snakes, so it put a bounty on snakes if you brought in dead snakes. What could go wrong? Hint, he says, snakes are easy to raise. So people went into the snake raising business so they could kill the snakes and get the bounty. 
government, when it starts with many of these policies, well, we'll just regulate the housing market. All of a sudden, you learn what Hayek called the, the, the fatal conceit, the business that government doesn't know as much as the market knows. You begin to realize that society is like a Calder mobile. You jiggle something here, and a lot of other things jiggle way over on the other side. So government should uh, reject the progressive analysis, which is as follows. Progressives say the more complex society becomes, the more government ought to try to regulate it. It's exactly the reverse. The more complex society becomes, the more government should step aside, allow market forces to work, because all markets are are information aggregating devices, and they know more than governments know. Talking with George Willis' book, The Conservative Sensibility, we're trying pretty hard to stay away from uh, the T word um, uh, and, and really the politics of the day, because once you start in on that, people immediately go to their side. So I'd like to make this more more uh, a little broader in that power has been going to the presidency for several administrations now for quite a while. And, and, and then just the people's view of government is the president. The president decides everything. That's the only election I care about. The only person I pay attention to in the news. Is Are we getting the government we deserve in that effect? Or do you blame the media? I mean, what's going on there? I blame the media in part and technology in part because once radio came along and made mass communication by the president possible, television wants to be sort of slave to a superficial news gathering instrument, which a camera is. It wants to be able to point the camera at something, and it's easier to do it at the president than 535 members of Congress. When Roosevelt gave his first, Franklin Roosevelt gave his first fireside chat on the radio as president, his first two words were, my friends. Now, we're used to this kind of talk, but back then, frankly, it was revolutionary. People didn't used to think that a president ought to be our friend. The president's supposed to take care that the laws are faithfully executed, and they're laws made by other people. Presidents were secondary the presidency is Article 2 of the Constitution for a reason, and Congress is Article 1 for a reason. But there, you said Congress has been transferring powers voluntarily and recklessly to presidents for several administrations. It's actually about 80 years. It goes back even further than that. Freddie, Teddy Roosevelt said... A president should be free to do whatever he wants as long as it's not explicitly forgiven. Then along comes Woodrow Wilson, the first president to criticize the American founding, which he did thoroughly. He said the whole separation of powers is a mistake because now we need a government that is nimble and can be wielded by a very strong president. Well, progressives said, good, we'd like progressive presidents wielding power, Teddy Roosevelt, Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Lyndon Johnson. I don't think they anticipated the current president <laughs> occupying this uh, this unleashed office. Hey, by the way, you, uh, you've you become aware of Tim Sandifer, who is a friend of ours, personal friend of ours. He used to call into our show years ago as Tim the Lawyer and set us straight on various things, and then we, he became a guest. So. He's terrific. He is fantastic. A national asset. He, I agree. He is, and hilariously funny, too, which yep. is he's underrated for. George Will is on the line. Uh, so what do you say to those, and uh, this is dovetailing, obviously, off uh, your previous uh, couple of sentences, but what do you say to those who advocate a living constitution that can move with the time? 
I think a living constitution is an oxymoron. I think it's a contradiction in terms. A living constitution that takes on the shape of whatever uh, cultural forces and political winds are blowing doesn't constitute anything. A living constitution is one that is plastic to the forces of the moment, and that's the opposite of what a constitution is. Remember, our constitution is a series of prohibitions. There shall be, even if Congress wants it, even if the public wants it, there shall be no law abridging freedom of the press, no unreasonable searches and seizures, no establishment of religion, no uh, taking of public property without proper compensation. The Constitution exists to say majority rule is fine, but majority rule is limited and constrained. George Will, the book is The Conservative Sensibility. I can't wait to dig into it myself. And, George, you are always welcome here. It's always uh, enjoyable and and, uh, stimulating as well. Thanks for the time. Um, I hope you guys are uh, spreading out across the country. We need you. We're doing our damnedest. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you you very much. All right. Thank you. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.